0: morning. It's good to be with you. It's always fun to be voluntold for things, but especially when it's sharing the gospel. (laughs) If you would, we're going to be reading today from Exodus chapter 17. If you would turn with that, turn in your Bibles with me. Exodus 17 the Lord, But the people thirsted for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, And take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, Behold, I will stand before you on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to him. We were talking about memorization of scripture earlier. There's a famous episode um, that we get in Genesis. I wonder if you remember it. Toward the end of his life, Jacob, the father of the Israelite nation, he's brought into Egypt, and his son Joseph takes him before the Pharaoh. At this time, Jacob was pretty old and he must have looked every bit as old as he was because Pharaoh, when he saw him, looked at him and said, How many are the years of your life? How long is it? And Jacob gives this memorable reply. He says, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. Maybe you wouldn't want Jacob to be your life coach or your counselor, but he's getting at something important with this, isn't he? Though he lived 130 years, he describes it as few and bitter. The truth is we all go through struggles, and we all go through hardships in this life. We have different categories for these hardships and struggles, though. Sometimes we label them as physical, sometimes financial, and other times... It's emotional but life isn't so clear-cut is it it's not that easy just to say it's in one of these categories all of these different categories of suffering they overlap and they interconnect moreover besides the physical and financial emotional hardships we go through these issues in our life directly affect our spiritual well-being and the spiritual hardships we face The passage of Scripture before us today, it demonstrates this truth. In this text, the Israelites are going through a severe time of hardship and suffering, a hardship which serves to test their faith. In this text, though, the Israelites allow their external circumstances to cause them to question whether the Lord cares about them, whether the Lord is present with them. We do this too, don't we? When health fails and debts add up and sorrow seeks to overwhelm us, we are tempted to question whether the Lord cares for us, whether the Lord is present with us. But I want to say, through this passage of Scripture, the Lord assures us that in Christ, He cares. He is present, and He provides for us the water of life which we need. Therefore, when we face any kind of hardship in this life this text calls on us to remember that the lord is present and that the lord cares we need to remember his mercies and recognize his presence in all of our sufferings that we go through to see this we'll consider this passage from three different angles first we're going to look at the testing of the lord second we're going to consider the trial of the Lord and third we're going to consider in closing the testimony of the Lord testing trials and testimony let's begin with that first point the testing of the Lord In approaching this text it's important to remember where it lands in the book of Exodus and what has gone before it's particularly pertinent to what's happening in our text in chapter 15 Israel's at the other side of the Red Sea Remember, the Lord had brought them through there. They sang the song of Moses, which celebrates the Lord's victory over the Egyptians. The the horse and his rider were tossed into the sea. After this, they set out and came to Marah, where the water was undrinkable. Remember, because it was bitter water. The people there also grumbled against Moses, and he interceded on their behalf. In response, the Lord made the water sweet turning the bitter to sweet. In chapter 16, Israel arrives in the wilderness of sin. Here they grumble against Moses and Aaron, but this time it's not about water, it's about food. In doing this, they long to go back to Egypt, where they had pots full of meat and bread and leeks and garlic. That's what they liked, and that's what they wanted, never mind the slavery that they were suffering. In response, though, remember the Lord rains down manna from heaven and supplies them with the food that they need. So again and again, they grumble, and the Lord answers. Now in chapter 17, as they encamp at Rephidim, they find themselves with no water this time. Notice the response to this situation in verse 2. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Now, as we just noted, up to this point, we've heard the repeated theme of grumbling, that they grumbled against Moses. But here, we get something else noted, that they quarreled with Moses. The word translated here as quarreled, it has really strong connotations. In the Old Testament, this word is used to describe serious and even things such as lawsuits, lawsuits. It's a serious contention that they're talking about. A good way to translate this word would be to say that the people brought a charge against Moses. They're bringing a legal case against him. But what is the charge exactly that they're making? Well, look with me at verse 3. In verse 3, that's specified when it says, they say to Moses, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? The charge that's being made against Moses is that he brought them out of Egypt, rescued them from slavery by the Lord's power with murderous intent. He brought them in the wilderness to kill them and their children and their livestock. That is what they're saying that Moses did. And they're making a demand, which is their right to have water. In leveling this charge and demanding water, the Israelites are forgetting the Lord's mercies on one hand, he had already provided water and food for them, but they're also presuming upon his grace and acting in this arrogant manner. This becomes clear when, as with the grumbling in the previous chapters, Moses points out to them that this charge or lawsuit, if you will, it's really being made against the Lord. Moses is just his servant. Look at verse 2, where Moses says, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? You see, it's the Lord who brought them out of Egypt. It's the Lord who made the water sweet, and it's the Lord who has brought them into this wilderness. In essence, they are accusing the Lord of bringing them out of Egypt with murderous intent to kill them in the wilderness. This is the accusation which they are making. They are that the Lord has a murderous intent. Moses describes this in verse 2 and verse 7 as their testing of the Lord. But we might ask, who's really being tested in this text? In truth, the Israelites are the ones being tested. We know this to be the case in light of the broader context of Exodus along with Numbers and Deuteronomy. In Exodus 15, it talks about the Lord testing them to see if they would listen to his voice and his commandments. This is repeated in Exodus 16 regarding their obedience in collecting the manna. They had to be obedient. He was testing them. In Deuteronomy 8, Moses summarizes the situation well. He says, remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments. The Lord brings them through struggles in the wilderness to test if their faith is genuine, to test if they truly love him. Taking all of this together, we understand that the Lord is bringing Israel through these particular hard times of severe testings to see if they will be faithful to him in their hearts. We should not downplay the situation. These people are in the wilderness. They have no water, and they're on the point of dying of thirst. It was a real physical hardship, and it shouldn't surprise us that it brings spiritual struggles in questioning the Lord. But in this struggle, it wasn't really physical water that they needed. They needed to remember that the God who brought them out of Egypt with a strong arm The God who turned the bitter water sweet and the God who rained down bread from heaven is what they really needed. Moreover, what they really needed to learn is that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And they needed to thirst for the water, which when one drinks of it, they'll never thirst again. It's important to remember that there's a difference in Scripture between bringing honest complaints to the Lord and in complaining against the Lord and testing Him. Our Lord welcomes coming to Him in honesty. We see countless examples of this in the Psalms. You see, there's a difference between our coming to the Lord in honest perplexity, looking for answers, and in testing the Lord and in questioning His goodness and questioning his character do you see the difference there the one is based on faith in god and in firm conviction of his good character because he is good and sovereign it's right that we seek understanding of the situation that we're going through but the other view the testing of the lord it's based in unbelief and it's questioning whether he is good and it's questioning whether he is sovereign The Lord uses hard providences in our life to show us where our faith truly lies. The theologian Edmund Clowney points this out when he says that God showed Israel their helplessness in order that they might find in him to be their help in every distress. That's the purpose of their hardships. And the same is true for us. He brings us through these situations so that we might see that he is our help in every distress, So Israel was being tested, but there's also a real sense in which they were testing the Lord as well. Instead of allowing this time of testing to strengthen their faith, the Israelites tried to turn the tables around and test the Lord. In their hearts, they tested the Lord by not believing that he is the God that he said he was. The God who cared for them. The God who was with them. In their journey, in this sense, they put the Lord on trial, which brings us to our next point. We just looked at the testing of the Lord. Now let's look at the trial of the Lord. Earlier, we know that the Israelites made a charge against the Lord. Well, the Lord takes this language seriously, this courtroom language. And he, we see that when he instructs Moses in verse 4. He tells Moses that the severity of the situation is so bad. And we can see this when he says, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Now, the way that it's translated, it's a bit ambiguous. Moses isn't saying that they're almost mad enough that they're going to stone me to death, like hyperbolically. He's actually saying, No, if you don't do something, Lord, these people are going to stone me and kill me. Now, note that you remember in the Bible and in the world that they lived in, stoning was actually a corporeal punishment. They were going to punish him as a murderer. We said that the charge was that he had murderous intent in bringing them out. And putting him to death by stoning is them saying that, yes, he's guilty of this. He's trying to kill us. The Lord responds to this situation saying, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Moses is to pass before the people and take some of the elders as witnesses for this trial. Further, he's to take the rod which God specifies the one with which he struck the Nile, the rod with which he did all the miracles in Egypt. So on one hand, this, this rod represented the redemption that the Lord brought, but it also represented his judgment because this is the instrument through which he judged Egypt. Take note of the promise of God in verse 6 which says behold I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. While we might miss it at first the promise that's being made here it's staggering. It's a significant statement that the Lord is going to stand on the rock before Him. Normally, everyone else stands before the Lord. The Lord stands before no one. Everybody is under His authority. But in this instance, He's saying that I will stand before you in this trial. Further, the Lord promises that He's going to stand on the rock that is going to be struck with the rod. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as a rock. In other words, what God is saying in this text is, instead of striking down the Israelites with the rod of his judgment, he's going to aim the blow at himself. He's going to stand before them on the rock, which is going to be struck with the rod of his own judgment. Instead of the Israelites getting the wrath of the Lord, he's going to aim the blow of judgment at himself. This trial scene is closed with a brief notation, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Again, Clowney is helpful when he says that the instructional content of the wilderness episodes, what's happening here in this text, it pointed forward as well as upward. In other words, these incidents is pointed toward God and his spiritual promises and how they needed to look up to him in these circumstances, but it also pointed forward to the Christ who was to come. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians 10.4, Paul refers to this event in the Israelites saying that they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Seeing all of this in light of the person and work of Christ, it highlights the profound meaning of God's promise to Moses, which was acted out in the trial scene. When Israel rebelled and tested the Lord, he did not lash out at them in anger and wrath. Instead, the Lord directed the blow of his rod of judgment at himself. From this strike flowed out streams of life-giving water to the Israelites. This is a beautiful and somewhat horrifying picture of what happened on the cross. In John 6, Jesus described himself by saying, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and this bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is the manna come down from heaven in all its true sense. In John 7, he cries out, If anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. In saying this, Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit whom he would give to those who believe. After he died on the cross, do you remember what John records happened? He says one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water. Jesus Christ is God with us. He is the rock Instead of punishing us for all of our sins and transgressions, the Lord aims the rod of His wrath at His own Son. And from this blow comes life to us. Jesus took our sins on Him on the cross. And we get His righteousness because of what He has done. Because of His goodness to us. I ask all of you here today, Are you thirsty? Are you dehydrated from this sin-torn world, a world of sin and misery, where we go through hardships, where we go through sicknesses, where we go through spiritual depression? Jesus offers you living water. When you taste of this heavenly drink, you will never thirst again. Come to this fount of blessing and drink. God testifies to these truths that this is true for you. Which brings us to our last point. We've looked at the testing of the Lord and we've looked at the trials of the Lord. But now let's close in looking at the testimony of the Lord. We considered the charge made against Moses. But verse 7 indicates what really lay behind all of this rebellion of Israel. Moses states in verse 7, that they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This question is at the heart of the issue with them. You see, the Lord had remembered his covenant with, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he heard the cry of Israel, didn't he? And he brought them out of Egypt and the slavery there. He caused them to pass through the Red Sea, and he crushed the Egyptian army and its waves. This same Lord had turned the bitter water sweet and rained down manna from heaven. But now in this hard providence, they're forgetting all of that. When they're going through this hardship, the past mercies of the Lord are not seen. And they're questioning, does he care for us? Is he present? Yet once again, what's the Lord do? He provides water from the rock. The Lord shows in this event that he does care and that he is present with his people. As a testimony to this tragic and triumphant moment, the place in which it took place was named Massah and Meribah, which means testing and complaint. You see, the Lord is true and his testimony is true. In this text, he's showing that he was present with his people and he does care. This event in the history of God's people, it was written for our benefit. Again, looking at 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul says and refers to the events of this text, saying, These things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. The reason why Paul can say this is because Jesus Christ is the God and rock of both the people of the Old Testament and us, the people of the New Testament. In this passage, we are told of the testimony which Israel received. They questioned the Lord's care, and they questioned the Lord's presence, and he responded by providing for them the evidence of his care and of his presence in water from the rock. But how much more has the Lord shown to us that he cares and that he is present Not only do we have this event recorded for us, but we also have seen the fulfillment of all which this event looked forward to. With the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have definitive evidence that the Lord cares for us and that he is present with us. Moreover, from his seat at the right hand of the Father, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to testify to the truthfulness of his word consequently the lord calls on us all of us here today to believe the testimony which he has given us in christ so i ask you what troubles do you bring with you today to worship what hardships are you going through we all have them are they financial are they physical are they emotional how have these affected your spiritual life how are you responding to these circumstances Understand this, friends. The presence of struggles does not mean the absence of the Lord. He is present with us in the furnace of this life. More than this, the Lord sovereignly uses the sorrows and hardships of this life to draw us closer to him, to wean us off of the world, and to see where the true water lies. It's when we come to the end of ourselves, desperate. And thirsting, that we say with the psalmist Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart, they may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In testing the Israelites, God was not seeing whether they would earn salvation. That's a completely wrong view of what's going on. Rather, this testing came within the context of their salvation. The Lord had already redeemed them. And the same is true for us. We live by faith in our Lord Jesus, who when he was tested in the wilderness, prevailed over the devil for us and for our salvation. Our testing serves to show the genuine nature of our faith, more precious than gold as the Apostle Peter describes it. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, let's not let these times of testing and hardships in our life cause us to test the Lord and to question his character. We need to believe the irrefutable testimony of his love which is given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. This episode of testing which we looked at today, it comes at the beginning of Israel's wilderness journey. Numbers 20, it records a similar instance of testing about water toward the end of Israel's journey. Both of these episodes taken together, they become in Scripture kind of a a key example of what it looks like to rebel against the Lord. Unless you read about this in Psalm 78, Psalm 95, and Psalm 106. And it's taken up in the New Testament as well, as we mentioned with the 1 Corinthians 10 passage, and it also occurs in Hebrews 3. A common theme in all of these passages is the idea that Israel forgot God's mercies and did not express thankfulness. They forgot and they didn't express thankfulness. If you read Psalm 106, I encourage you to do that later in this week. It's interesting that that's the key phrase, that they forgot the Lord's works. And that goes on to describe their apostasy and their downfall even to the exile All of this, though, it highlights our need to remember the Lord's mercies to us and to recognize His presence with us. Don't let present struggles eclipse past mercies. Moreover, don't let present struggles blind you to the Lord's presence with you in those struggles. If you need a reminder of the Lord's presence, that's why you're gathered here today, to hear the Lord's words and to gather with His people He's present with us. Let us therefore remember His mercies at the cross and recognize His presence with us today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, by nature, we are an untrusting people. When we face hardships, it's so easy for us to forget Your past mercies to us. And it's so easy for us in the pain and struggle of this life not recognize your presence with us but Lord at the cross when you struck your son for us and for our salvation you've demonstrated your love for us which we cannot refute all the world has seen your love put on display in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ Lord I pray that you would be with us as we go through these struggles of sickness of not having enough money, of not trusting you as we ought. I pray that you would use this word to work faith in us and to have us remember all your mercies to us and to be thankful and that we would recognize your presence with us. We thank you for this your word and this your day. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.